You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Deborah, I think. Thank you for asking me to speak today. Um, it is a real honor to stand up here in front of so many old friends and some family and um, new friends as well. And um, we've already thanked Ann Lynn, but this does not happen in a vacuum. So we do thank you, Ann Lynn, and all of the um, officers and committee that have put this together and feeding us so well. So continue, feel free to continue to eat um, as I get started. The topic of turning to the Word to nourish our souls is a topic that both excites me and challenges me. It excites me because simply said, the Word of God, Holy Scripture, is food for our souls. It does satisfy and it can fill us up. The Word is our daily bread and it is God's manna, And it's available to all of us. It excites me also because we have a God who desires to be known, who created us for intimacy, and who promises to reveal himself to those who seek him. God says in Jeremiah, I will give them a heart to know me. Isn't that great? I will give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. And the psalmist says, My soul thirsts for God. My flesh yearns for you, for the living God. This topic excites me because as we seek God in his word, he meets us where we are. And we respond to his word in prayer and worship. We are changed. God says in Isaiah, My word which goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and achieving the purpose for which I sent it. It excites me because I know, as do you, that life here on this earth is sometimes hard. There's sin and sadness and disappointments. There are big decisions and crossroads. There are temptations and there is evil. But God promises us in Isaiah, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. So I know that the word of God will anchor and sustain me, comfort and encourage me, as well as correct and reprove me. But it also challenges me, because I wake up every day in this body a miserable offender, every day in need of grace and forgiveness because even though I know that my eternal salvation has been secured once for all in the finished work of Jesus on the cross I also know I'm still flesh and I still sin every day and as Charles Spurgeon said we quickly lose the nourishment and strength of yesterday's bread we must feed our souls daily upon the manna God has given us. This topic challenges me because I'm very distractible. I am too task-oriented and calendar-driven. 
So I often struggle to slow down and be still and know that I am God. I need reminding all the time that the scriptures are God-breathed, inspired, and life-giving. Jesus said in John 6, The words which I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. So all the exercise, all the chocolate, all the yoga, I don't do yoga, but I'm sure. (laughs) All the retreats, all the self-help, they're all good, but none lasts. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let me briefly tell you what led to this particular subject for a topic today. Last fall in our small group, we read a short article written in 1841 by George Mueller. And he's an evangelist and he founded many, many orphanages in Bristol, England. Um, He wrote... It's on your table, um, a little booklet called Soul Nourishment First, and feel free to take it home and read later. Um, <laughs> there was nothing new or startling in his message. It was simple <laughs> truth. And bear with me as I read just a few sentences from it, but remembering it was written over 175 years ago. It has pleased the Lord to teach me a truth. Okay, here's the truth. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how I might serve the Lord or how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. He said, the first thing I did after having asked in a few words the Lord's blessing upon his precious word, in other words, he opened in prayer, was to begin to meditate on the word of God, searching as it were into every verse to get blessing out of it, not for the sake of public ministry, not for the sake of preaching, but for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. I read the word of God for food, for refreshment, for revival and renewal in my inner man before I gave myself to prayer. And later on, further down, he said, prayer is more effective after the inner man has been nourished by meditation on the word of God where we find our Father speaking to us. We live in such a culture of busyness and productivity of moving screens and text messages and emails and tweets and Snapchats, we are connected, or at least electronically so. And we are bombarded with news and information, so we are distracted. So when I read these 19th century words, something inside me said, yes. For some of you, this talk will be just a word of affirmation for you to continue what you are already doing. For some, it will be a needed encouragement, a nudge, and good reminders. And for some, it will be new insights about spending time in God's Word. But before we go any further, I want to be clear, there's no wrong way to read the Bible. There's no right way either. There's lots of ways. There's also untold number of wonderful devotional books and tools out there. I love them. I use them. What I'm talking about today 
is more of a mindset to approaching and reading the Bible, not a method. So let's talk a minute about your mindset. How do you view the Bible? Is it a book of stories and good examples? Is it a book of commandments and rules and do's and don'ts? Is it a book of history, poetry, and genealogy? Is it to be read for inspiration and wisdom on how to live? You could answer yes to all of them, but don't stop there. Is it living and active and sharp and piercing and able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart? Is it a lamp for our feet and a light on our path? Is it inspired divine revelation? Is it eternal and pure? Is it still relevant? Can our hearts be softened and brought to repentance by the Spirit of God using the Word of God to change us? The answer to those is a resounding yes. God gave us His Word, a written revelation of Himself, so that we might know Him and to know Him personally through Jesus Christ, His Son. Remember how John's Gospel starts out? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This living Word, Jesus Christ, is who we meet in the Scriptures. And just as God spoke to Abraham and Moses and the prophets, so He speaks to us today via His written Word. My own journey with reading the Bible started when I was 12. And I only remember the experience because it seems certain words just jumped off the page and seemed to be just for me. And my spirit was stirred. I felt close to God. I felt known. And I understood then that he was a personal God. Honestly, I don't know how long that went on. But uh, a year or two later in early high school, I was taught about the devotional reading of the Bible, what we often call a quiet time. And quiet times, were, I learned, were basically a time set apart, often in the morning, set apart from the busyness of life, to pray, read God's Word, and quietly listen to what He has to say. It was a time for soul nourishment. And I knew that there was a scriptural basis for reading and meditating on the Word. Some of the verses were familiar to me and will be to you, like, um, Mark 1, and Jesus says, it's his example, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. But honestly, quiet times were hit or miss maybe three times a week, often done with that ought to, should do, check the box attitude. I tried to pursue God, and there were times of brilliant revelation and sweet communion, but often my quiet times were just a discipline. I hear people say their day just went better when they started in the Word. And even though in my head I knew that was true, I'm not sure that was really my experience then. But I certainly went through the motions all through high school and college. And you know how life has a way of just happening? Well, push forward six or eight years, and by the time I was 28 or 29, my well-scripted, put-together life was unraveling, 
coming untucked and unglued. I wasn't in a good place. My marriage wasn't in a good place. And then I was given a gift. A gift that comes, as they say, wrapped in black paper. It's not the one you run to pick up first, but it's a gift nonetheless. It was the gift of desperation. In retrospect, I can see God had me just where he wanted, flat on my back, saying, I can't do this. Life isn't working my way. I need help. By the way, that's a pretty good prayer. I need help. (laughs) And help came in the form of someone who was willing to meet with me week to week and disciple me, to open the scriptures afresh to my broken and contrite heart, to teach me what the Bible said about how to live a life pleasing to God, but not out of my efforts and my self-will and my self-righteousness. And it took a while, some years, but God in his great patience and mercy helped me unlearn a lot of works-based righteousness and learn how to just come come weary and heavy laden and find rest for my soul. In this discipleship course, we covered a lot of topics. Abiding in Christ, effective prayer, forgiveness, relationships in marriage, spiritual warfare. And one of the most significant things we studied for me was how God wants to meet us, feed us, and speak to us. The creator of the universe wants to do this through the gentle reading of his word, to have a time where we sit at his feet morning by morning and just learn from him. That obligatory, dry, quiet time became a dynamic, nurturing, counseling time. And over time, I actually looked forward to waking early in the morning while it was still dark. My mindset was changed, hence, my excitement about this topic. No longer was I reading scripture to get something. I was there to receive. I wasn't trying to to learn per se. I was there to know the living Lord Jesus. I wasn't reading to dig or extract, you know, like a 15 minute mini Bible study. I was there to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd and be fed. I wasn't trying to read a whole chapter and check the box. I was there to let the shepherd lead me to pasture, and I might just read a few verses or stop on a particular word. It wasn't up to me. I just asked, would you open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things from thy law, from Psalm 119. The shepherd wants us, his sheep, to be fed. Three times Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Three times Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said three things. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. It is his desire to supply all of our needs. And the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And scripture says he longs to be gracious to us. And Ephesians says he's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And think about this promise when you open your Bible. God says in Psalm 32:8, I will instruct you and teach you the way in which to go. 
I will counsel you with my eye upon you. How sweet is that? How personal is that? Now, if you're a parent, you know how your eye can always find your child? No matter how many players on the field, no matter how, no, no matter how many dancers on the stage, or how many drummers in the line, your eye is trained on your child. Well, our Abba Father says he will instruct you, teach you, and counsel or guide you with his loving eye upon you, his child. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says in his book, Meditating on the Word. And if you'd like, you can follow along on the white handout on your table. He says, we want to rise up from our meditation in a different state from when we sat down. We want to meet Christ in his word. We turn to the text in our desire to hear what it is he wants to give us and teach us today through his word. Meet him first in the day before you meet other people. Every morning, lay upon him everything that preoccupies you and weighs you down before new burdens are laid upon you. Ask yourself, what still hinders you from following him completely? And let him take charge of that before new hindrances are placed in your way. His fellowship, his help, his guidance for the day through his word, that is the goal. And when asked, how shall I meditate, Bonhoeffer said, not free meditation, but meditation that is bound to scripture. Ponder in your heart as Mary did. That is all. Do not look for new thoughts or interconnections in the text as you would in preparing a sermon. Do not ask how you should tell it to others, but ask what it tells you. Then ponder this word in your heart at length until it is entirely within you and has taken possession of you. I think I could reread that last sentence every day. Well, how can we do this? As I said, you may already be reading your Bible every day and are closely connected to God and hearing Him speak to you moment to moment. Praise God and be encouraged. And come up here and help me. <laughs> you may be reading your Bible every day, but don't feel like you're hearing the voice of God or connecting or being fed in your soul. Or you may just be in a dry season. You may have experienced fellowship like this with God before, but that is not what's going on now. I get it. Dry seasons and dry spells in the Word are part of life. They're normal. We should expect them, but it doesn't mean your faith is in jeopardy or that the Lord has abandoned you. You know, marriage doesn't always feel warm and fuzzy either, but that doesn't mean it's in jeopardy. It may mean you need more of a date night than a business meeting, where you can linger long over conversation, where you can be still and be quiet and listen to one another and know each other's hearts. Well, your devotional time or your quiet time may have morphed more into a business meeting and you need to schedule a date night with God where you can linger long and be still and quiet and listen 
and know the heart of Jesus who loves you. No matter where you are in this, a beginner in reading the Bible or a seasoned old-timer, you are never behind, it's never too late to start, and it's always available. Praise God for that. In John 7, Jesus says, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. What an invitation. I'm going to read that again. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And we are all thirsty, aren't we? We just don't always drink from the best pools. We find lots of substitutes and quick fixes to satisfy that thirst before coming to Jesus, the bread of life. Some of those substitutes could be relationships or your work or risk-taking or money or foods or drugs or alcohol or your children or fitness or the need to control. You can make your list and I can make mine, but none satisfied really. So in the morning, I might start with just a, a short prayer and say, Lord, I thirst. I don't want to go through this day in my flesh doing my will. I want to abide in you and you in me. I want your spirit to flow in and through me like rivers of living water. I thirst. And Lord, I know I need to die to self today and live for you, but I can't do that on my own. I'm too self-oriented. I'm too self-centered. I'm too sinful. So I come to you. I ask you to give me a heart that lives for you and not myself and that seeks to please you. I have to go to Jesus for that, appropriated, ask for that condition of heart because it is not in my nature. And I can ask that with confidence and thank him because I know it's his will for me. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. So I thirst, I come to you, and drink. You've already provided all I need. I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So basically, I'm praying God's words back to him. And after a short prayer, just to get my heart in the right place, I open the Bible. And as I said earlier, I'm not proposing any particular method to reading the Bible. It's a, it's a mindset. The aim is to draw near to God, to hear His voice, to connect, to have your soul happy in the Lord, and your inner man fed. You can pray, as I mentioned this earlier in the psalm, Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things from thy law. And simply, would you feed me? Remember your reading with the heart to know God. Lord, reveal yourself to me today in your word. Give me a heart to know you. And your reading with an expectant heart. Expect to hear his voice. Wait for him. My sheep, hear my voice. And your reading with a listening heart. Lord, speak into my heart what you know I need today. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. 
Getting your mind to be quiet and stay focused and to meditate is not easy, nor does it happen overnight. Bonhoeffer speaks about this. I was very glad to see that. He says, we will encounter great difficulties at the first, but to not be impatient with yourself, especially if your thoughts keep wandering. So prayer and meditation don't come naturally to anyone. You must train. It takes time and practice to get into any habit or rhythm. I find it comforting to know that everybody struggles with wandering thoughts and distractedness, but don't let it discourage you. There are many forces working against you as well, the biggest one being Satan. The enemy does not want us to grow spiritually, does not want us to be in the Word or listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd and following him. So just a couple of things I find helpful. I keep a notepad by me and I jot down that wandering thought that's over here and get it out of my head and onto a piece of paper and I know I won't forget it and I can come back to it later. And sometimes I pray something like a breath prayer. I don't know if that's something, a phrase you're familiar with, but just sort of like, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Or come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Just over and over, quietly in my mind. It stills my mind and quiets my heart. And I journal. I would encourage you also to just to, to write down in a journal or a notebook as you read and meditate. Write out the verses that you read and record what God speaks to you in your heart and any responses or prayers. Habakkuk 2.2 says, Record the vision and inscribe it on your heart. Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. Writing this out gives you a focus and it leaves you with a thought to reflect on throughout the day. It can help you see common threads and will encourage you when you reflect back how the hand of God has been at work in your life. Now this isn't a perfect thing and it's not a formula. It's about a relationship, isn't it? And it's mind-boggling. It's brain-splitting to think that the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the omniscient, all-powerful Creator, loves, pursues, and seeks fellowship with us. There's so much I'll never understand this side of heaven. There's so much I don't know. But what I do know is that over the years, I've had recurring struggles. I've struggled with resentments. Can I have an amen? (laughs) (laughs) The things I can't let go of, but instead, I replay them in my head over and over. I've had recurring anger, hurt feelings, selfish motives. I've been brought low by addiction and depression. I've been tangled in jealousy and comparison, and I've been toppled by pride and arrogance. And when I go to the Word, He meets me there and confronts me with the Gospel. Jesus reminds me, I love you, Mary, so much that I died for you. I paid the price for all of that and much more to come. And I've clothed you in my robe of righteousness. I have brought you out of a pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and I've set your feet on solid ground, making your footsteps firm. I have put a new song in your mouth, a song of praise to God. 
and it's an open invitation for all of us to go to the Word and meet Jesus there. Day-to-day manner, moment-to-moment fellowship with God, morning-by-morning coming into His presence. It's simple, it's subtle, it's personal, and it becomes a way of life. It becomes air and food, soul nourishment. And we're all invited to feed our souls in the Word of God. So I say, thanks be to God. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.